Hey, I'm Don Amaro, and this is Through the Fire, a podcast about overcoming adversity, reframing misfortune, and celebrating courage. On this show, you're going to meet some really incredible people who have been through some heavy stuff, but they've come through the other side. And the hope is that you're encouraged and inspired by the words that you hear. Hello, I'm Don Amaro, and this is my podcast, Through the Fire, where guests are sharing how they get through the toughest times in their life. Today, I've got a couple of guests joining me who have been looking grief in the face over the last year. On January 11th in 2022, our friend, the late Vince Fontaine, passed away. The music community felt this one hard, and the grief spread across the country. It's easy to see just how many lives he touched while he was with us, and it's clear to see that his legacy and his music lives on. Today, we're remembering Vince Fontaine, who was a founding member and leader of the Juno Award-winning Canadian Roots rock band, Eagle and Hawk, and folk pop band, Indian City. He was a father, a husband, a member of the sagging First Nation, and a great friend. With me today is his daughter, Anishinaabe singer-songwriter and guitarist based out of Winnipeg, Gabrielle Fontaine, and longtime bandmate and frontman extraordinaire, Jay Bodner. Thanks so much for uh, for joining me today, both of you. Thank you for having us, Don. Thank you for uh, bringing us on and uh, talking about Vince. Yeah, I mean it's been it's been over a year, uh, so I think this conversation is long overdue. Uh, you know, you guys have both been uh, pals of mine and people who I've had chance to work with and uh, sing uh, on stage with Jay. Most notably, uh, Indian Car with you a number of times. <laughs> <laughs> Can't forget Indian Car. When I look back at my time with Vince, I feel like I have always... Uh, I'll, I'll tell you this. Vince was the first one to sort of believe in Don Amaro. Uh, I remember thinking back about 15 years ago when I was getting into this business full-time. Uh, it was Vince who kind of first took me under his wing. Uh, I was working with Chris Bergafney and Aaron Chattervetti down at the studio on Main Street. And and Vince became a mentor of mine immediately and, and saw something in me and, and really invested energy and time and, and resources into what I was doing uh, right from the get-go. And, and I've always felt indebted to Vince because of that, because I think without believers, um, it's really hard in this career to feel like you can keep going. And uh, and I'm so glad that, that Vince is one of those first early on. Um, for you, Jay, when you think back to to our pal Vince, um, what's the legacy that sticks with you now about Vince? You know, uh, we've we've been asked this question quite a bit this past year, and it's really not a cliched answer. It, it is really he was a bridge builder. I mean, certainly trying to push the move the needle for not only himself as a as a guitar player and a musician and a songwriter but then an indigenous guitar player musician songwriter and then ultimately i think he saw the gaps in that presence and that representation and as his career grew you know we would often see him stepping out of the performing spotlight and into more of a you know being a producer production putting on uh part of uh uh designing festivals and content um 
And he truly believed, which is one of the things that was a uh, an anchor for me, um, was that idea of building bridges between indigenous, the indigenous world and the non-indigenous world. I mean, even back in Eagle and Hawk, I think Eagle and Hawk did start off even from its very earliest inception, it was a mixed bag of uh, different cultures being represented, um, believing, doing reconciliation before reconciliation was the term of the day. Really, we we didn't see that that's what we were doing. We just thought we were in a great rock band. Uh, we were always cognizant that we were um, flying the flag and representing and for the non-Indigenous peeps in the band, you know, it was uh, a learning curve and it was straight up building bridges. And that, that's what I think the legacy is for sure. And moving the needle in this country um, for Indigenous art. That's that's so cool to hear. You know, I don't know if you know this, but I had a business card going around for a while. It said Don Amaro, a voice bridging the gaps. Mm, nice. So clearly he had an impact on me as well. Um Gabrielle, when you think of your dad, and I, I, I'm, I'm so honored that you're here because you carry the most history with this guy. Although now when I think about it, you probably, you and Jay probably know your dad about the same amount of time, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, maybe Jay a little bit longer. She's got a year in. Gabrielle, we're so glad to have you here with us today too. Obviously the daughter of Vince uh, and, and fellow Indian City member. Um, probably when I think about it, has known Vince the longest out of all of us, considering that you've been with him since you were born. Um, and uh, when I when I, I, I was thinking about this, wanting to ask you, when you look at your dad's life and the, the, the music career he had, what's it like being a kid of a, of a parent who's kind of been internationally successful and been all over the place? Because your dad, there was a times where he was probably gone quite a bit on the road and traveling. And what was that like for you? Well, growing up, really, I was just surrounded by music. So in the house, we'd always have music playing. Uh, my dad would always be playing, you know, different songs on the guitar and the piano. And really, it's what led me to do music myself, because I remember being a kid and watching Eagle and Hawk live on stage. And I think at a couple of the gigs, I would actually work at the... Um, the merch booth and I would pretend that I was working the table and sell CDs. But I just thought that my dad was a rock star. I, I, you know, had so much love, but I just awe towards my dad and towards the whole band. Um, I know that when I was younger, it was a little bit more difficult for me when he was constantly traveling to Europe. I think I might've acted out a little bit, but I, I definitely grew out of that, that phase. And, uh, I just kind of went with it and, and really steered my life towards music because it's something that I, I shared with my dad, something that we both had a love and passion for. And he's really the driving factor that that made me join music. You know, in some ways, that's pretty comforting to hear because I'm, I'm not gone all that much, but I, I travel quite a bit with uh, with what I'm doing musically. And um, I hope that my kids will say the same thing when when they're older. Uh, and, and that they're, you know, they carry some of the passions that I have. And I also think that, you know, when you, when you have a parent that pursues something with passion, I think that that's a beautiful picture to paint for your children. Um, and I think Vince probably did that really well. Jay, first impressions of Vince, when you think back, when you guys first met, when do you, when did you first meet? You know, I first met him at Musicians Hockey actually. Of course. You did. Uh, I mean, yeah, like <laughs> Winnipeg's such a small music scene, 
but our paths never really crossed. I had, I had heard of his bands. Uh, we actually had... For those that don't know, Vince probably loved hockey just about as much as he loved music, I would guess, right? Yeah, yeah maybe more. Um, yeah, we, we had played... Uh, he was a little bit older than me, so we had played it in different sort of bands at uh, different times with many of the same people. So I didn't really get to know him until... Uh, Man, we played, we were playing musicians hockey at River Heights Community Club for like 20 something years. So, really nice guy, seemed very humble, never passed the puck. Uh, that was, uh, <laughs> a bit of a, was a bit of a bone of contention. Right. Um, but he was, a, he was a pretty good goal scorer. But um, I had been in a band called Soul Scatter and that broke up and I was busy going solo. And he, Vince approached me at hockey. He had seen Soul Scatter, I think, before, and um, he needed a singer to uh, go to Europe for one tour. Mm. I guess, uh, Tro Troy Westwood from the Winnipeg Blue Bombers had been the singer. Um, and Troy was given the ultimatum of pick a career path. You're either going to be a Renaissance man or you're going to uh, play for the Bombers. So right. he chose the bombers and uh i went on that we rehearsed and i went on that one tour and that one tour turned into you know just slightly over 25 years mm. uh making music with with him mm. yeah so hockey was, was the connection uh, to start Hockey was the connection, and, yeah. And stayed throughout your whole lives because you guys both were big parts of the uh, the Juno Cup, right? Which which you still did this year, with uh, obviously without our pal Vince there, but uh, but it was cool to, that you guys can carry that on. We were really grateful. It was also the connection for our producer, our longtime producer, Chris Bergafney, uh, was, was through hockey as well. And, um, you know, Vince and I just, we developed a relationship and a bit of a kinship with the organizers of Juno Cup, Jim Cuddy and the folks from uh, Music Counts Charity um, and some of the Karis folks. Um, and we weren't even nominated the first year we played. First year we played was in Winnipeg. Um, we weren't nominated that year. Um, and then the Jim just kept bringing us back for like 16, 16 years, I think. Gab Gabby must have 16 Fontaine jerseys in her house somewhere. And I definitely have 16 Bodner jerseys. And it was, this year was a really bittersweet. And we were excited that the game was back on. Uh, the game itself is fantastic. I get to be a bit of a fanboy. The music, uh, doing a charity work for Music Counts is also fantastic. Um, but not having been there was, was uh, very foreign. And... But our hearts were filled a little bit by the Juno folks making a jersey uh, for Gabby and her, fa and her family with uh, Vince's longtime number and hung it on the bench during the game and uh, just to honor him. And we were able to give the jersey to the Fontaine family after that. Mm. Speaking of those yeah. jerseys, you guys wore a bunch of them to the game, didn't you, Gabby? Yeah, yeah well... Um... He had a yeah. bunch of them always hanging up in the basements. So uh, they're now in our closet. And before we left, I told everyone in my family to bring a jersey, you know, pick out their favorite one. And then we all we each wore one to the game. And then they also had one there. So that was also, uh, it was a surprise to us. They, they kept oh, it a cool. secret and it was just, to see it. Was there any fights over which jersey who 
who would want what jersey or <laughs> uh, i picked first. i knew which one i wanted and i think my brother also wanted that right. one so he was a little, a little peeved about that if there was something that that maybe the audience doesn't know about your your dad what would you want to share what was the th- what would be the thing that you you'd say this is something that maybe you don't know about my dad uh, one thing that I don't think a lot of people knew about him is that very recently before he died, maybe a couple years before, he picked up another hobby. So, of course, he had, you know, he loved music, uh, hockey, but he recently picked up the hobby of walking. Mm. So he became very obsessed with walking around everywhere because when everything closed during COVID and you're stuck in your houses and, and nowhere to go, he, he needed somewhere to, uh, you know, be himself, let, let his energy out. And what he started doing is he would drive to different areas in Winnipeg, different neighborhoods, and he would just walk around that neighborhood. He wanted to see, you know, the kind of people that were in each neighborhood, what kind of businesses, uh, who lived in these neighborhoods. And he liked to pretend like he was actually living within those neighborhoods. And so he he picked up walking and he actually started doing it with my sister as well. And they would start doing mall walking when it was the winter and they would go to the outlet mall near the Ikea and they would just walk laps around the outlet mall to the point where the security guards knew where he was. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've chatted with your dad a couple of times. Cause he, around that season, he kept calling me and, and, and saying that he was doing the he was became a mall walker, um, which yeah. I thought was great. You know, it's funny because when you when you say that, one of my greatest memories of my time with your dad. Uh, we played with the Thunder Bay Symphony Orchestra as Indian City a bunch of years ago, and um, we had a day to ourselves. And so we ended up just going for a walk, like a little tr- hike through the through some sort of you know backwoods trail. And it, it was icy and kind of chilly. Uh, and we both had our like like musician shoes on. They weren't like walking shoes, <laughs> so they were like there's no grip on the bottom. So he and I slipped and sl- slid through that, that whole walk. <laughs> And we laughed so hard a number of times. And just, I think for, for me, that walk in particular solidified our, our relationship in a big way. And uh, so I think I've actually got a great picture. Uh, I'll actually, when I'm done, I'll send it to you guys uh, of your dad and I taking a walk uh, a couple of years ago in Thunder Bay. It was beautiful. Um, I got a question for both of you because Vince was sense an inspiration for me and, and, and encouragement to me. Who did Vince look up to? Who carved a path for him? Do you, do, is that something you would be, you'd be in the know of? I, I think so. Um, Vince was, um, I mean, as far as music goes, he was started really as a blues rock guitar player. So he loved Led Zeppelin. He liked Jimi Hendrix. Um, so sort of the, uh, late sixties, seventies, what we now say classic rock. Um, he, did his taste really sort of grew as we all grew? He really loved um, he really loved the bands like um, uh, Arcade Fire or just. Mm. I mean, I know that's a little bit uh, tricky subject these days, but just how it was structured. So he he Santana to that Santana, Santana for Santana. sure. Oh man, how do, <laughs> how did I even forget Santana when the first Indian City record was called? Uh, super nation yeah um yeah man he loved santana he loved the doors um and he loved uh he loved everything was sports analogies everything was Mm. hockey analogies with us so uh that 
that time period of uh, music and hockey. So he even sort of structured structured the lineups. He would even talk about who's on this lineup, very similar to how a hockey team would 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 speak. Mm. So for sure, yeah, blues rock. Yeah. Hey, we're going to take a quick break. More with Gabrielle Fontaine and Jay Bodner in just a moment. Have you ever thought, I'd love to have a podcast just like this one? Well, I can help. My name is Matt Kundal, and everyone at my company, the Sound Off Podcast Network, had a hand in making this show. Whether it was about the sound, the discoverability, or that you're just enjoying the show, we are all about the detail. If you think you have a podcast in you, reach out to me via email, matt at soundoff.network. Or check out the website and become one of the great podcasts we work with at soundoff.network. What about you, Gabrielle? Who, who would you say that, that he uh, looked up to or that, that encouraged him in his early days? I think Jay's already gone through a lot of the musicians, but I know some other people that really inspired him and led him to where he, you know, ultimately wound up going was his family and specifically his mom, uh, Nora Fontaine. Mm. And she was one of the first people from our reserve Seguin First Nation to leave and go to Winnipeg. And she brought Vince. Vince grew up in Winnipeg. And, you know, it, it made my dad see that Indigenous peoples can offer themselves to the world in a way that wasn't typically allowed before. And he wanted to break out of stereotypes. He wanted to do something that, you know, he never saw people that looked like him do before. He wanted to make music. He wanted to inspire the younger generation. And, and really, when he got older, he wanted to to do what his family had done to him. He wanted to inspire the younger generation to push themselves to follow their dreams, to partake in, partake in music or arts or whatever it is that they wanted mm. to do. You know, I, uh, I'm i reminded uh, of, of how Vince would call me weekly, bi-weekly, uh, and he would call just with no agenda, just to say, hey, how you doing? Checking in on me. Nobody, I think, in my whole life has ever been better at that weekly call of just to say, hey, how you doing? And what, what, what's, what irons you got in the fire? And um, and just encouraging me along the way. And I, I really miss that. And I've heard, I, I was there at, for Vince's funeral, uh, and I've heard a number of people say that same thing. Um, where does that come from for your dad? Like your dad, again, being a community and bridge builder, um, has he always been that way? I think so. My dad, for as long as I've known, has always been on the go. He's always uh, been out the door going somewhere else, constantly on the phone with people. He's very much an extroverted person that always wanted to to be in contact with other people. And when my dad died, every single person that would offer their condolences to me would say, I was just speaking to your dad the other day or the other week. And that's how frequently he would check up on people. He would call people so often. He wanted to make sure that people were okay. He wanted to see what was just going on in, in others' lives and to make them feel hurt. Would you echo that, Jay? Absolutely. Uh, I was uh, on the receiving and benefited from from that as well. Like we mm. would talk frequently, um, uh, almost about nothing. Mm. Uh, lots about family, though. I mean, certainly lots about music, but um, 
you know, he and I had some parallels with uh, our families and our children. So we talked a lot about family. Mm. Yeah. 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 I, I know for me, uh, you know, he almost counselor comes to mind because I sat with with uh, Vince a number of times and talked to him about my strife as a musician and dad and husband and trying to juggle all those things. And, uh, you know, your dad having had to do the same thing throughout his career. And um, I, I leaned heavily on the advice he would share. And uh, yeah, it was really uh, something I cherish and I miss. And actually, since Vince's passing, I've I've made more of an effort to be one of those kind of people to reach out. I, I haven't done it as diligently as your dad did or would have, uh, but I, I really took that to heart and I immediately started calling a few f- folks that he would actually be calling too. Like I think of Desiree Dorian was one of the first ones I called because uh, I know he'd, ha- he'd check in with her from time to time. And um, and I just, I think that that is so missing in our communities uh, and, and Vince was such a leader of, of just staying connected. Um, and I, I, I really miss that. Here's an interesting question, but uh, what do you think Vince would be tackling today if he were still with us? Uh, I think Vince would already be on to the next album. I th- he, honestly, he already had a- another album on its way, which w- wasn't completed. Um, but he was constantly, you know, moving forward with music and bringing new ideas, new genres. He was actually um, testing out and investigating a little bit more of techno genres. That's mm. what one of the newer albums he was working on was was leaning towards. Um, but I think he would have already been out with a new yeah. album. Yeah. What do you think, yeah, Jay? Yeah, I agree. I, well, I think you probably would have written one song already, Don, yeah. for the record. <laughs> probably. <laughs> <laughs> I would have guessed you somewhere been, in there, yeah. Yeah, you'd be in the studio with uh, Chris and and Vince, and you would uh, you would have the track probably done already, <laughs> and uh, and then he and I would be arguing over lyrics. Right, right. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, that's uh, I can't top that. Gabrielle is that's exact that right. That album would be if it wasn't released right now, it would be in a mm. this month mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. yeah. What um. How's your family doing, Gabrielle, if I could, if I may ask that, like, I know it's been, um, because it was, I mean, again, I I don't want to be too uh, bare bones about this, if that's the right term, but, but, uh, you know, your dad passed quite suddenly, there was no warning. Uh, It was really fast Mm -hmm. and abrupt. And I think that when that happens, that's the most... um, unprepared a family can be. And, and, uh, and, you know, I know I felt our community's heartbreak and I can only imagine for the family, it was even more. So, uh, so here we are over a year later. How, um, how are you all doing? Well, in the beginning, it, it was quite a shock. We, we couldn't even wrap our minds around it to the point where, you know, none of us were in the right minds to make any sound decisions. Mm. And honestly, what got us through those beginning times was our family is just so Mm. big you know the Fontaine is such a huge family and it honestly brought us all together I remember in the first few weeks and months the family was over every single day we'd always have food and people here people bringing us food um that's what really got us through the initial shock and then after that that's when things start settling in and you know we all started to realize what had actually happened Mm. And, you know, the only thing that got us through that was time, you know, learning to it, you know, you never get over it, but you learn how to Mm. live with it. 
And I think that it's it's almost like there's two phases in our life. There was before Vince and now there's after yeah. Vince. And we're just trying to to live through the phase now and and learn to, you know, miss him, but in a way that doesn't shut us down mm. again. You know, I, I'm reminded of the conversation I had with Krista Couture, and she said, Krista Couture lost two of her children, um, and she said, it never gets easier, but there's something to be said about the passage of time. And when that happens, um, the scar is always there, but, but you're, and you're always reminded, but, um, life, because the circle of life continues, I think you're able to uh, dive into other things. And, um, and I think that, that for her, uh, that, that really spoke to me that the passage of time really helps. And her encouragement to others was when you're dealing with tragedy, just stay the course, even even if staying the course means yeah. laying in bed and 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 waiting, um, because I think that passage of time um, actually does mean something. So that hearing that from you is is again an affirmation of that. Um, yeah. I would just ask about music projects because you know obviously Eagle and Hawk and Indian City were two big projects for Vince and Indian City the last 10, 12 years and Eagle and Hawk twenty five plus years. Um, I see Indian City carries on. Uh, Tell us, tell us about that, Gabrielle. I know you're involved. In, and Jay, you're kind of in and out with that. I could be wrong, but but catch me up. Uh, well, well, we'll let uh, Gabrielle start before I steal all the things to say. <laughs> so after my dad did pass, you know, going forward, when we were in the right mind to make a decision, we decided to keep Indian City going. And Jay is in it full time now. He's actually our band manager. He uh, schedules all of the gigs or the rehearsals and in, in the beginning you know it was a little bit difficult because you know no one could really replace what my dad did he did so much work and we didn't even realize how much work he did until he was gone uh so since then it's really been this you know difficult time of trying to transition to having a band without someone with Vince's skill set but we all know that we want to keep doing it and we all have this passion to keep doing it. And that's why we're, we're still here. And, you know, Code Red, of course, that kept us going. And with the Juno nomination, that, that really, you know, kept, kept us going through, through a lot of this. And it was, it was great to celebrate. It's, it's really nice to have those moments where we can celebrate with each other. And now the, the next steps for us is we just really want to get into the creative side and start songwriting. So that's what we're, we're doing next. And of course, we're going to keep within the spirit of my dad, within his vision, what he wanted for this band. I love hearing that. What about you, Jay? Any, anything to add to that? Um, no, I think, uh, you know, like yourself, Don, been not only part of Indian City in, in the past and working with, with Vince. Um, you've been in this biz a long time and um, this is a weird band. Mm. Like, it's really a weird band. We have um, every decade from the 20s to the 60s covered, uh, age representation in the band. <laughs> right. um, everyone has had a ton of history over 20-something years. Um it's a weird time. Um, sometimes there's a little bit of guilt even that this is happening. You know, while I wasn't um, a part of the Code Red album, I, I stepped away for a little bit during COVID and then returning two falls ago, two winters ago. Um, and now this uh, relationship with 
Warner Music Canada, there's a little bit of like guilt that uh, I, I thought that too, in, right? Yeah, like because you were a Juno nominee this year as well, and for us to continue at the this level and doing these these industry level uh, on a national level, and he's not here to, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's uh, I can't say that I'm grateful mm. to be back at it. I'm grateful for the relationship between Gabrielle and I that has formed. Um, it's been therapeutic in so many ways. Mm. Um, we have similar, yet yeah, very different relationship uh, than that I had with Vince. Um, so it's my my connection and my tie-in to that and. Um, I'm very grateful for that. So I'm very grateful to continue moving the needle that uh, Vince mm. dropped on the record, if you will. You know, again, I, these words come to me as you're talking, Jay, and and I, I, I thought because you know Vince is obviously he he mined so much for Eagle and Hawk and for Indian City, and then you know here we are with these. You, you reach the gold mine. Right with uh, with with the the things that are coming about, like you say, with these partnerships and the exposure for a band like Indian City, but I I, I cling to the quote that, that I heard a number of years ago is, um, uh, "It's a good world when old men plant trees that will grow to shade they will never live under." Wow! And I think that that's what Vince did here. He planted a tree that it's a shade he won't live under, but I think he'll be so proud of that he. He planted that tree, and here it is, growing and and flourishing. And um, you know, you're both a major part of that. Yeah. That's a tragically beautiful mm. sentiment, Don. That's mm. really, really lovely. Well, and and, and I think honestly, I think it would be I mean, maybe, maybe there's a song there, um, but uh, <laughs> let's write it. Well, let's we, write it. Three of us write it. writing it right. <laughs> we had we had one called Tree of Life a number of years ago, but maybe there's something. I don't know. Maybe maybe we're yeah. something was born here, but. Um, I, uh, yeah, I, I cherish the fact that, that Vince is our connection, you know, you, I, I can see you guys good pals and I know we don't see each other as often as, uh, I, I would like. Um, but, uh, you know, I hope that we can have a chance to connect more in the near future. And, uh, I know, I know my career and my family life takes a lot of energy and a lot of, takes me away a lot, but, um, I hope, I hope you don't stop calling and don't stop texting. And, um, cause I, I, I would appreciate to to even have the invitation means a lot. So um, I, I always appreciate that. I appreciate you both very much. Yeah, of course. Then we should be writing a song for the for the next Indian City record. Count me yeah. in. I think we already have some yeah. lyrics ready. And now for it's that. recorded, so it's it's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Don, you've been on. Have you been on all three every Indian City record? No, uh, I was part of the kind of sort of inception phase of Indian City when, when Vince had started this band. Uh, I I don't know if I was one of the first calls, but I know I was high on his list of people to connect with, and the better part of four or five years. And my solo career just kind of kept doors kept opening there, and I just felt like I couldn't split myself between the two. And um, long story short, I had to step away from Indian City as a full time member, but I could guest on things, and um, and uh, but I'm happy to continue being that guest for you guys. I think uh, I've always been proud of the work that I've been part of with Indian City. So, uh, so please call. Uh, we, we will call like right after this. <laughs> for me, it, you know, it really means so much for you, Don, to be in it because you were the reason that I was brought into Indian City when, um, you and my dad were sitting yeah. right here where I'm sitting right now. You guys were writing the song mm -hmm. through the flood 
And I think I just came down, maybe in my pajamas or something. And my dad said, come over here. We need a you know, female voice in this. We need a female perspective. Yeah. And that's how we got through the I flood. Read, and that song is incredible. We, we, there's a music video out there if you want to go check it out. And, and we're, we're in that one together. And uh, really proud of that one, too. And I think, uh, you know, I, the collaboration, I think, is one thing that we haven't done enough of uh, within the Indian City community. So let's let's keep doing that. Um, but I, on that note, I want to just say thanks to both of you to, to come on here and talk about honoring Vince and, uh, and the journey that, that we walked with him up till now. And, uh, and the journey continues with his spirit here. So, uh, appreciate you all. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much for, uh, including us and bringing on to your show. This is, uh, it's been very nice. Thank you, Don. Thanks my friends. My next guest is Mike Denny, a name you may or may not know. He's the guy behind my record label, MDM Recordings and the founder of the Henry Armstrong Award, which I'll tell you more about on the next episode. Thanks for listening. As I always say, it takes a village to run things here at Through the Fire, and I want to thank my village, executive producer Sarah Burke, administrators Lori Brown and Alan Grayeyes, video and audio design by Chris Godry and his team at 44 Films, feisty creative for their design work, social media support by Johnson Design Company, and last, but far from least, I want to thank our technical producers, Matt Kundal and Evan Serminski from the Sound Off Media Company. I look forward to sharing more great conversations just like this one on the next Through the Fire. You see the light. Produced and distributed by the Sound Off Media Company. I'm Matt Kundal, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent. Almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com.